Welcome, 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 everyone, to the 100th episode of Relationships and Revenue. I am super, super excited about this episode because we are doing something just a little bit different. Now, you got to hang on before you find out what's different about it, but I'd love for you to send me back a message and let me know if you figured out what was different. Would love to hear that. We've got some great things coming up for you in the next 100 episodes. We're bringing you some more fantastic guests from all over the world who will bring some wonderful things for you to be able to learn to get better as a person and to get better in business. Because when you get better as a person, you can only get better in And you know that's what I care about. I care about helping you, each and every one of you, become the absolute best you can be personally and professionally. So without further ado, let's get in to episode 100 of Relationships and Revenue. Yeah! This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Hey, welcome back to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host today, Anthony Trucks. Yes, it's a different voice, a different guy, but uh, we still have the same energy and in fact, the same guy, but there's a little something special going on today. So I was, uh, uh, oddly, in a cool way, the very first guest on the Relationships and Revenue Podcast so many eons ago when I had less gray hairs, my back probably didn't hurt so much. Uh, and then for the 100th episode, John reached out and said, hey, man, I want to try something unique. Uh, so what's that? He says, I want to see if uh, I can be a guest on my own show. I said, how are you going to do that? He says, you're going to host. <laughs> you're going to be the uh, interviewer and I'll be the interviewee. I said, great, let's do it. And so today we're going to have a little bit of a, a, a trading places, you know, like if you go back to the, the what was it, Eddie Murphy uh, and, and Steve Martin traded place. We're doing some trading places today. And, and interestingly, I just realized that there's actually a black and a white guy. So we're doing like real trading places. If you know that movie. We you got are. some sauce in my book. But without further ado, I'm welcome into the show, the guest of honor, Mr. John Hewlin. How are you, man? Oh, man, I'm great, Anthony. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Appreciate being a guest on my own show today. <laughs> hey, right. Isn't that crazy? You get to be a guest on your own show. Now, right. I don't have any clue how you typically uh, go through, because it's probably since I was on, morphed and molded into something crazy and cool. But I like to have something where I always start out with a question that opens up the, the flow, we'll, sell, we'll call it, uh, and you get to be you. So here's my typical question on my podcast is, let's say I'm walking around town. And I sit down next to this cool guy and it's you. I don't know you. You turn and start talking to me. Why should I listen to you? Oh, man. I love that question, Anthony. Besides the fact that I think I'm pretty interesting all on my own, uh, mm -hmm. which sounds like I'm awfully full of myself. I think one reason you should listen to me is because I've made a lot of mistakes in the past that mm -hmm. I've learned from. And okay. I've, I've learned an awful lot of what not to do in life. And I love sharing that with other people either to help them get through what they're going through or to help avoid the things that I've had to go through. And that's kind of, I think, how life is. I wish my kids would get that concept, but they're not quite there yet. I, I do these things to try to tell them, hey, look, I did this. Like Jay-Z yeah. says, I sold drugs, so you ain't got to, man. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you've learned a lot of less, which is good. I think that's the big thing. You should listen to people of uh, not just experience, but learn, right? Because a lot of us experience things. We don't all stop and breathe it in. 
and learn and then change from that moving forward. So if you were to go back to some of your biggest lessons, what was uh, one, maybe two of some of the, the main ones that you can say these have been catalysts for change in my life from the experiences you've had? Well, I would say the first one goes back to my biggest source of pain, which is my divorce. And I would say one of the biggest things comes back and it's going to sound like a broken record. For those of you who have heard this podcast before, it's going to sound like a broken record coming from me, but communicate is so critically important. And I would say I'm speaking directly to men right now. Men, you got stuff that you're thinking about constantly, stuff that's going on in the inside of you, but you're not told as a boy, let alone growing up into a man, that it's an okay thing, a good thing to be able to share that because somehow that makes you vulnerable. Well, that's how you with other people is being able to. And that's something that took me, Anthony, far too many years to learn how to do. It is one reason, certainly not the only, but one of the reasons that cost me my marriage. It's because I didn't know how to do that. So that was a big one, the communication. I would say another one is, man, trying to think of one of the, you know, in, uh, in business, a lesson that I learned a long time ago, I discovered that business took me a while to figure that out. And that because business is personal, it's because it involves people that we need to make it that way, that it's okay to care about people. It's okay to care about people long before they become clients, because when they know they, we care about them and what's important to them, they are more likely to trust us and therefore do business. Gotcha. It's relationship stuff. It, it, do you find a carryover between the relationship stuff? Like, uh, you talked about lesson one and two, is there a carryover? Cause I, I naturally see weird inroads, but do you happen to have any kind of congruencies that pop out? Oh my gosh. I see it all the time. I mean, in fact, now here's the crazy thing to me. I deal with a lot of other coaches because that's one of the things I do is coach. And I can't begin to tell you the number of business coaches that I know that absolutely refuse to tackle the life side of the business. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? Yeah, because why? If people, if people don't have a handle of what's going on in their lives, in their personal lives, it just stands to reason. When you go to work, wherever work happens to be, that comes with you. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to affect your business. So let's figure out ways to get better at their interpersonal relationships, the ones they think are most important. If they can get better at those, I guarantee you business gets better. Yeah, I agree. I think at the end of the day, if you go to work with heaviness on your heart from an argument from your you know, relationship at home, it becomes difficult to even function at manner. And when you work with people, what's what's kind of the uh, the solution to that? Let's say somebody's sitting at home going, yeah, man, I, I get that. And whether it's work or a business, uh, I, people can get lost in the work, right? Because it's something I can mindlessly do or mine wholly do, you know, and then I, I can drown the rest of the stuff out, but I still come back to those problems. What's a, uh, like a, a first step of something we can do to solve that problem or adjust things? Oh, that's a good question. So if you're talking about those really tight, intimate relationships, I'll call them the home relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether that's with, with a spouse, with your kids, whatever it is, it, it goes back to something we just talked about before. It's that communication, that open line of communication. You know, there are times that we will get the, for lack of a better term, epiphanies. Mm-hmm. And they just come to us and we need to share that with those significant others in our lives. Even if they're epiphanies that are somehow condemning to us, it's like, look, I just learned this about myself. I know you've known this about me for a really long time, but I finally got it. I'm understanding what you've been trying to tell me for years. I'm Mm -hmm. starting to get it now. And so I want to take some proactive steps. This is my first step in doing that is acknowledging it to you and saying, let's figure out a plan together. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's one of the most important things is not only recognizing that there's something wrong and beginning to take those steps to get better, but it's including those in your life that are of major significance to you. It's like, let's all be a part of the process. Yeah. 
What if someone doesn't want to be part of the process? What if somebody says, it's all you, you just got to stop doing your thing? Because I get it. There's the perspective of come home and, and weave them into it. But I know there's people who have a resentment built up because maybe you've been working for so long, you know, for so long that there's a, you know, maybe wife has a resentment from it. And so she, she just wants you to do what she wants you to do. Is, is there a, uh, an easy end to that conversation? Does it mean you kind of, you sit back and do what she wants first to build reciprocity? Like what would be a, a pathway to the person who doesn't care about the Mr. Promises home from the road <laughs> who keeps making more promises? I had Again, very valid question. I like that uh, devil's advocate positioning you're taking with this. This is really good. Uh, What's real is the thing. I'm not even doing, I'm I'm not trying to have devil's advocate. I'm trying to think of when a a guy is sitting here listening to this right now. And he's, Mm -hmm. you know, let's be honest. Most people were in funky places. We have the funky mind to begin with. So everything you're saying is like, ah, whatever. So I'm kind of like, okay, what's this person thinking, feeling? So if I can ask questions from that heart, hopefully it helps that heart. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that. I'm like, I'm really enjoying that perspective. So what I would say to, to that per- is like, okay, you're having pushback. I get that. It's like, you got yourself into this, get yourself out. If that's the response that you're getting or some variation of that, I would say, okay, then that's what you need to do. And so a first step from that would be, okay, what is the most glaring problem in this significant relationship? Now, it's too easy to say it's you. You have to be very specific. It's like what specifically in the relationship is jacked up? If we go back to the idea of communication, it's like, why is the communication not working? Most likely because you as the guy, you're not sharing your innermost thoughts. And, and so what I would recommend to guys, to, and this is, it's not fun to do, especially if you're not used to doing it, but it's a journaling exercise. And it starts with this. It's very simple. You just get yourself whatever kind of notebook you like to use. I like spiral notebooks just because they're big and easy to, and you start out yeah. with, and you start writing these things down, actually physically writing them down. It's like today I feel you don't use words like good, great, or okay, because they're not specific enough. Yeah. So as an example, I could write down today, today I feel excited. And then I would say why I feel excited mm-hmm. because I knew I was going to be interviewed by Anthony trucks. And so that's the first thing I write down. Very next thing to write down is the first time I remember being excited was when I was about four years old and we were moving for the first time from our first house to our first big house. Of course, when you're four, everything looks big. I've seen that house as an adult. It's not that big, but it was to me at four. And I got to help my parents with the move, you know, like I got to carry a box or two. And so I felt involved. Mm -hmm. But what that allows you to do is to realize I'm feeling things other than base, like I'm hungry, I'm mad, I'm tired. And this is not the first time I ever felt it. So that's a really good thing. So you start to write those things down. After that, you write down one thing you've done well for the day. Now you have, there's an out clause with, here's your out. Now you have to have done this, of course, but this is the out. Today, I brushed my teeth well. This, that sounds ridiculous, I know. But when I was going through this process for the very first time is when I was in the absolute worst place with my marriage. The first six months I did this exercise, Anthony, that is the only thing I wrote down that I did well for the, that's how bad of a place I was in. Wow. So so we're writing those things down and then depending upon now who who I'm sharing this with, I would say it's slightly different. Meaning if I'm talking to someone or an audience that is faith-based versus one that isn't. So if I'm talking to a faith-based audience at this point, I would say, okay, now I want you to go to the book of Psalms and I want you to read a Psalm for the day. Anything that jumps out off the page, write that down. Even if you think it's ridiculous, doesn't matter. Write it down. If it's a non-faith-based audience, I would say get your favorite book of inspiration and read a chapter from there and do the same thing. Then lastly, to either write a prayer out for the day or to write out some inspiring thoughts, words, 
that sort. So it is a journaling exercise that is extremely helpful. And I recommend doing it for a year. After a while, you don't have to write these things down. This is stuff you can start doing in your head as they come. Yeah. It's just to build into it. I think there is something that's always said that paper to, you know, pen to paper that that making the thought real and making it feel real. I think people look at those things and scoff. They go, ah, it's just another thing. It's some hubble I saw somewhere. But it's it's interesting how when things are cliche, that's usually cliche for a reason, right? It's mm-hmm. the thing that people, you don't understand the youth, the use of it until you've actually started actually doing it. You start putting the actions in and all of a sudden it turns out to be something, right? And you don't notice it day one. Like when you work out, you don't notice it day one. But day 101, there's a big difference. And that's the kind of thing you're talking about. You spend time, you build in, and all of a sudden, which isn't really all of a sudden, you wake up to it and go, holy crap, I've made a ton of progress and I've moved to a new direction. For sure. And what do you think this, I mean, we're talking about the relationship aspect to it. That's a big piece of it is, you know, I guess all these things, this is what I do. Whenever I'm sitting here going, why am I working so hard? Why am I getting up at five thirty in the morning and doing all this stuff? What is the thing that ties for most people to the end destination that pulls them? Like what, we can call it a goal. We can call it a vision. Mm-hmm. Is there some piece of it? Because let's just say someone's at a funky place. The goal they had, the vision they had, the marriage they had, the business they had, it was all there. It was in a position and then, then it all came tumbling down. And sometimes people go, man, I don't even, why do it again? Why even try? It's, you know, that there's that mentality of like, it would all get one tumbling the first time. Why even try again? What do you say to the person who has that mentality? Um, well, the first thing that I, honestly, it's if I could do that, if I could reach out through the screen, if I could reach out through the microphone, first of all, I'll give the person a hug. I know that yeah. it may sound a little weird, but the reason I say that is because that is exactly what I needed when I was asking those questions. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have mm-hmm. that from someone. I needed someone to hug me and say, it's going to be okay. I know you can't see it right now. I know you definitely can't feel it right now, but it's going to get better. But it's going to take something that you absolutely do not think you have right now, and that's time. Yeah. It's going to take time to work through this, heal through this, even if it's of your own doing. One of the biggest things, Anthony, that I had to learn how to do was to forgive myself for the stuff that were set, the stuff that was self-inflicted, the things that I did to other people. I had to learn how to forgive me because honest to goodness, it was easier to forgive my ex-wife than it was to forgive me. Mm. Much easier. Yeah. It's crazy. I get that. And so that's, that's one of the biggest things is to say, look, it's going to get better. Uh, The thing I would say after that is. Whatever the first thing was that popped into your head about what can I do next, focus on that. Mm-hmm. Because you may get a lot of ideas, go with the first one. Because the first try, yeah, if you try to do too many, you're not going to do any of them. Okay. So we'll just well, should focus you list, on should the you list them all? What's that? So I get, I get the idea of doing only one, but why just the first one? Why don't we get, sometimes, for example, like if I'm doing like, say, you know, creating of something, sometimes they say get the bad reps out. So like the 30th one's the one you want to go with. Why the okay. very first one in this manner? I guess the reason why I suggest the first one is is based upon my experience. And it's because I had so many ideas, then I got overwhelmed, and it took me a while to get started. And so that's why I said to do the first one rather than the others. But I can see the benefit of writing them all down. First. It's like, okay, yeah. and let's pick one. So I could I can see the... The benefit of that. I'm not, yeah, I don't even know if you're right or wrong. I'm just saying what I usually hear. I don't even know how I do it sometimes. Then sometimes I feel like I am, I have a pull to the one. I usually find the one I'm supposed to do is the one that gives me the most tension. Mm. Like it's the one that gets under my skin the most. And I go, oh, I really don't want to do that one. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the one that's the needle mover. But I'm, I mean, okay, I, that's I a good one. First one. I don't know. I'm just. Okay, just the tension, I like that. Yeah, but it's just always something. There's always that one that our gut knows, but our head doesn't want to do. Like our heart knows, it says, actually, you should do that. And the head goes, 
I don't want to do that because they're going to lose a little bit of pride. Or what if you look bad and that whole thing kind of pops in. So then a lot of people ignore it. And what they do is they'll do the ones that are easy. And the yeah. problem is the easy ones typically lead to hard times, but the hard ones lead to easier times. That's for sure. Yeah, that's, that is an excellent, um, you know, I guess that's maybe why, you know, I, I don't know if your folks did this when you were younger, when I was younger, you know, it would always be, it would be the encouragement. That's the nice way of the encar yeah. encouragement I got from my parents when it came to eating. Cause you know, invariably there was always at least one thing on the plate that I did not like, you know, the thing yeah. that was good for you, but you didn't like it. And they would say, look, you want to get to the good stuff. You need to eat that first. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what you're yeah. saying here. It's like, maybe we need to bit. focus more yeah, on the problem. things that are, that are harder that we don't want to do. They're going to cause us to be a little more introspective and perhaps we're going to be able to pull out some amazing results. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is I don't even know if it's amazing results, but sometimes we grow through it. You know, it's, it's the practice of apologizing. It's the, the ownership aspect. It's giving yourself permission to improve in an area that you really don't want anybody to see you sweat. It's that, that sometimes it's not even everything gets great, but it gives the opportunity for things to get great. Cause I know for me, you know, in the beginning, it's like, I'm a, I'm a former NFL guy. I don't need anybody give me insight. I'm great. I'm great like this. And then no, it wasn't great. You know? <laughs> And until you can own that you're not great in things, like you'll continuously be around people who will look at you like you're a crazy person and leave your world because I can't deal with this psycho who is always right. Like, how are you always right? And it's not that they're right, but their ego has this battle to stay right. I don't know. It's weirdness. Um, and then part of this, I'm, I, I want to keep going on this whole, but I feel like my brain just clicked to a new space. And I'm like, all right, this is all tied to relationships and revenue. And I want to bridge that gap because I don't know if everybody okay. gets that. And I don't even know if I 100% get it as the host of this show. <laughs> but, uh, but where does the, uh, where's the tie? Where, where do you believe that relationships tie to revenue? Like, how does that now I, I have a ton of ideas on this, but I want to hear from the man who created it. Okay. Well, it, it ties back in with something I said before, uh, that business is personal. Uh, when I first got into business for myself, which is well over 20 years, um, that was definitely not something that people talked about. Mm -hmm. Business was business and personal was personal. And they just, they True. never intertwined. People never thought about it that way. At least not the people that I was around. And this concept of business being personal came to me, it's been within the last decade. Yeah. But I, I didn't really understand why it was such a bad thing that business should be personal. I, I, I just, to this day, I still don't really understand that because that's not how I ever viewed it. Because yeah. I always care. I have, I love people. I, and yeah. folks who listen to this podcast know that I've said this many times. There are two things are two, we'll call them filters that I use okay. for everything I do, Anthony. I love God and I love people, those two things. If something I'm wanting to do doesn't filter through those, I don't do them. I just yeah, don't. I do. And I don't apologize for that. There have been plenty of times I've turned things down because they don't fit within those parameters. Mm -hmm. And so for me, <clears throat> excuse me, for me, that's why business is that way. Because my view of God is being a personal God, that he cares about people. And because God cares about people, I should care about, and I do. And so in business, I'm more concerned about what is it that that person needs, whether that person ever becomes a client. I mean, I, I don't know if this is something you do, Anthony, but this is a, a practice that I have been using for many, many years. And that is, if I'm listening to somebody, I want to find out if I'm a good match for them in addition to them being a good match for me. And if it's not on either side of the equation, I make a recommendation to the other person first to say, look, I don't think this is a match. But here are one or two people that I think would be a good match. So I don't leave them empty handed. That like to that. me is still is it, giving, having a personal touch. 
what about if you need the, the revenue? What if you need the money? Some people are like, they'll balance it. Like, man, I need this client because I got to pay some bills. I don't like this client, but they still kind of go like, what do you do in that situation? And I'm not going to lie. I've been there early on in the mm. business. I was like, man, I, I got to, uh, I got to take this person on because I need that, you know, extra thousand, two thousand dollars. I can right. bear with it. Like, what are your thoughts in that manner? <laughs> I'm laughing because I've done it too. Yeah, and I, will, have. I think it's, I will tell you, I will tell you that those are almost always the absolute worst decision business Why? is taking on someone that I knew wasn't a fit because I okay. ended up resenting the relationship because of it. Okay. And there have been, now this hasn't happened a lot, but I have had clients I've had to fire before for a variety mm, of I've reasons. Been. Yeah. It's not a fun experience. And so if I know now, if I know up front that that will be the end result, I don't even, I don't even get it. Even if I need yeah. the money, I don't do mm -hmm. it. Because I it. my, my headspace, how I'm feeling on the inside is way more important than the money. I can find another way to make money. Yeah. I think it's a big piece of it too. And I also realized that for me, whenever I was in that, whenever I had a client, I didn't want to work with my energy on the days I had to work with them was, was down. And so when the energy is down for, for the day that affects the, the sales meeting with the potential may amazing client, it affects the, the current clients, right? That does seep in. And so I, my energy is low because I have this thing I'm, I'm dreading. And then that does affect the, the revenue without me knowing it. It's the osmosis in some manner. So I think that bringing <laughs> people on is tough, but it's hard to say it to a person whenever they need the money and they got someone willing to pay it and they're going to be a punk. I, I know people that would still like, if they're in a bind, do it, which I think leads to my thought of like, well, how do you just get to a point where that doesn't become a situation you have to be in anymore? How do you make enough revenue to where you're in control in a manner where you don't have to make decisions to do things based on the need for money? It takes a lot of trial and error, first and foremost. But second of all, maybe even more important, it takes the absolute commitment to the belief that you're worth having the right mm -hmm. And that when you believe you're not for everybody, that makes it easy. Yeah. I mean, truly, because it, I didn't figure that out right away. I thought I can help anybody. The problem is when you think you can help anybody, you end up helping nobody. Nobody. Yeah. That shotgun yeah. approach doesn't work. It just no, it doesn't, doesn't, work. doesn't. Unless you have something that's like, we got spaghetti, you know? Okay. Not as yes. And it's a little different, but, but even then it's gotta be people who are eating carbs and, you know, and they uh -huh. have some meat. It's, there's nuances, but I do believe that that's a the definitive. It's hard for nowadays people to find a niche though, because they're, there's so many things that people want that they express that they, they're unexpressed. And so when people are trying to serve individuals, sometimes there's like this not clear pathway to it. What, what do you think when it comes to somebody saying, I, I want to build a business, um, which is where, you know, you want to coach, we'll say it's going to be a coach, a person who wants to coach. Okay. How does somebody step into that space and do these things, right? Develop relationships properly, serve clients at a high level. Like what is, what is the, the secret sauce to making that business work to where you can do that full time? Uh, get great at it, doing it for free. Why? Now you're talking about coaching space. It's, it's a little bit easier if you're talking about the, the speakers, because that's mm. how many times you get your chops in is you got to do that for free several times yeah. before you get noticed and people are willing to, but to a yep. certain extent that does happen in the coaching space too. Uh, cause mm. I can tell you, Anthony, this happens a lot. You probably do something similar. When I meet somebody for the first time, one of the questions that I avoid on purpose is what do you do? And the reason I avoid that is because I want them to either try and figure it out for themselves or yeah. I'm, what I'm really doing is I'm providing the person an opportunity to talk about themselves because that's what most people want to do anyway. They're just being polite mm. by asking me. So I avoid True. that part 
I find out more information from them. 15 minutes into the conversation, generally, they circle back to it. It's like, oh, I don't think you ever told me what you do. It's like, well, yeah. you know this conversation we've been having? This is what I do. And they're like, what? Mm -hmm. What's that? And you kind of get to explain what coaching is. And yeah, open up. You know, the best coaches, and you know this both from a sports perspective as well as a personal and business perspective, and that is coaches coach, man. We don't talk about coaching. We do it. Mm -hmm. That's how it is. I mean, so if, if you really want to know what coaching is, you got to be doing it. And you look for opportunities. Sometimes they're there. Yeah, a lot of people need a lot of help, man, especially nowadays more than ever. Uh, and there's something to it. You know what I usually ask people as opposed to what do you do? I ask, how do you show up amazingly in this world? It's been this one that. Oh, I love that. And I, it, it happened randomly. It was a random. I didn't plan this out. It just was like, hey, man, how do you show up like amazingly in this world? Because that's a different thing. They're going to tell you what they want to about their family or for their, I got this group of kids I, I work with, or, you know, I serve people. How do you serve them? And then you can go in different ways, mm -hmm. but it's different. It's different to ask how someone shows up. And I don't even know if it's the right answer. I just know that's one that I, that, or that I get for some reason thrown out a couple of times. And like, people go like, oh, that's a good question. I go, it is, isn't it? <laughs> it go. really is, but, man. I dig that. So, okay. I if, consider that stolen. <laughs> hey, take it, man. Take all these things you want. I'm not the arbiter of, of questions. I don't create all these things. Uh, it just is what it is, man. So as we uh, can, can progress in this pathway, I, I like to unfold people's internals, right? Because there's got to be a reason why you do this. And we've kind of uncovered some of the things you know about stuff. But like, what's the root? Like we think about the podcast, how you show up, you get your kids in the background, all these things you do. Yeah. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, what is the, what's the mental, like not, let's call it not the motivation thing. What is the reason you stay disciplined? Because the motivation piece is an interesting thing where it's like, that's what I think inspires you. Like my motivation is to get on a stage, right? But my, my, what keeps me disciplined is a different animal altogether. So what keeps yeah. you disciplined? Oh goodness. Well, when it comes to the podcast, I, I feel a very strong commitment to what I'm doing. So that's part of the reason why I do it. And as strange as this may sound, it's just become a part of me. And so I'm just, I'm so used to doing it. I can't imagine not doing it. And that's, gotcha. that's not the best answer, but that's, that's part of it. I, I feel a, we'll just say, I feel an obligation to the audience, not just those who show up on a regular basis, but for those who are to come. The ones that I yeah. haven't met yet, that haven't heard yet, to show up as my best self, putting out the best content I can, not only of what comes from me, but for the folks that I have mm -hmm. on the show, uh, that makes the biggest difference. So I guess that's how I'd say it. I get it. I like it, man. It's not bad. It's, it's a matter of getting them showing up. All right, let's flip flop it. Let's go and say, what's the reason? That you stay disciplined or, or sorry, that you stay motivated. Like what's the motivational point? What's the, that's the thing that, that creates that, that energy. Let's say you're sitting there. It's the day where you're, you know, it's a lot of the docket and it's a whole bunch. And then, you know, you get to like the third or fourth tick in the box. You're like, man, I could really just take a pause right now. It would be great to just let this stuff, you know, reschedule for a different time. Mm -hmm. What do you bring to your mind to get you to get like that? All right, let's go to work again. Like what's that mental piece? You know, the thing that comes to mind, and this was early on when I did the podcast. I got, I got a message, a direct message, someone I'd never met before and said, John, I want you to know that your podcast from this week really spoke to me. Mm -hmm. And the person continued on and went into some details about it. And this was one I happened to do when a friend of mine that I went to college and grad school committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And I talked about that. I talked about uh, leadership and suicide and how the suicide rates of leaders extremely high yeah. uh, and, and why that is and what we can do about it, that sort of thing. The person hinted at it, never really came out and say it, but I, I suspect that the person said that I may have had 
a little bit of an influence in keeping them from that, <laughs> from going down that path. It sounded like it was something that person was at least. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, I'm asking for a friend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Yeah. And so I remember that when the days get hard and I don't want to, it's like mm-hmm. for me and it's, and you can relate to this and folks, by the way, I'm showing Anthony's book right here. Oh, Hey, it's right there. I didn't even know. That's right. For identity shift. Anthony's book, which is fantastic by the way. Um, Thank you. When, whenever my book is done and I have it out there at every author I've ever met said, write the book in such a way that if you only reach one person, you are completely and totally fulfilled. Mm-hmm. That's what I do with my podcast. I do it for the one person. I don't think about mm-hmm. all the people are just the one. I like it. It's good. Now, what, what is the thing? And this is uh, we're going to, it's a, we'll go dark with it. I okay. got an idea for a new book. This is going to be a conversation. I start, mm-hmm. so we're going to, we're going to practice a little bit in real time. What is the, what's the dark reason, man? What's the, uh, like I have, let's put it this way, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, uh, some of the greatest athletes to, to play a game or sports, you're, you know, Tiger Woods, uh, boxers, football players, all of them. They had this, uh, what we call dark energy. And I don't think that it's like dark, meaning it's bad and they're horrible humans, but there was this, there's a place that you can go that's deeper. That's not a joyful place that will push you or, or power you to do things above and beyond like your normal level of, of effort. Mm-hmm. Like the Mamba, like the Mamba was Kobe's thing. It wasn't the fairy princess, you know what I mean? Like it was, this <laughs> yeah. and so with that, like where, where does your, do you have, or where do you, you, you know, look at any dark energy you had that you pull from? Maybe what's a place that you are afraid of going back to? Cause I have one, <laughs> I'm wondering where yours might be that could drive you po- like, like forward without the positivity. Well, I'm not sure I've ever thought about it in those terms, but I would say, and it really is, it was the, the impetus for the podcast to begin with. And that is, and it's the reason why there's only four people in this picture instead of five. Yeah. It's my divorce. It it has been the catalyst for so many things. Um, you know, the pain in my life. Yeah. Now now granted, there's plenty that I'm responsible for related to that, but it's still the major pain point in my life. And so yeah. it can take me to a dark place of very, I get it. Yeah. I've been there, man. The divorce sucks. I dude. know you have. Yeah, you've been on the podcast, you know, all those things. And it is fun because it, it pulls so many parts of you and self-worth from you and, and then oh, blame and then the, and the arguments and the text messages and it goes, <laughs> it goes down pretty quickly, man. And it's, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy how someone you could love so deeply, you can hate so deeply at the same time or like quickly after. It's an interesting dynamic. And then for men, man, like we usually sometimes we harbor that for a long period of time and a lot of them never get over it. They, they carry that to the next relationship that it shows up in uh, friendships. It shows up in a lot of places. How would you recommend that people navigate these emotions? Like what, what's, what's the process that someone can use to think through as they're feeling through a situation like that? Well, if we're talking directly to men, I would say, first of all, the whole idea of you talking about, let alone working through your feelings, you probably like, sounds like he's talking Chinese because no idea what he's saying. Because you don't. Because we are trained as boys that that's not our realm, that that's not for us. That is a female thing. And so is it any wonder that we have so many challenges in our interpersonal relationships with females, specifically those who we are the closest to because they need something from us that we've never been trained on how to do. Mm. I mean, the way I talk about it, Anthony, is this. In a relationship between a man and a woman, what she needs more than anything else is that kind of talk about sharing 
our deepest hopes, thoughts, feelings, stuff that's going on with us on the inside. That is the relational oxygen for her. And when we don't give it, we're killing her. Mm. That's what we're doing. Nobody ever told me that. That just, it came to me one. Um, mm. I, unfortunately, I figured that out the hard way. So I would say the way to begin that process is you got to start with you first, is you got to figure out what in the heck is going on with you. Now, that exercise I talked about really does help with that. But another thing is, man, you got to get with at least one other guy friend who's committed to improving in that area and you guys can do it together because that accountability is going to help so much. That's something I wished that I had because Anthony, I talked to all my friends when I was going through this journey and not a one of them would do it with me. Not one. Really? No. Why is that? You know, I, but I wonder if it's like, there's, I've got a word for it, but I've got a family friendly show, so I can't say it, but yeah. let's just say they were being, um, less than masculine. Let's just say that. I get it. I get it. I, I do understand that. I think there's this perspective because it does take a, a, a strength of self to be able to do those things. And I do know it's an interesting thing. And I, I think that there's, yes, we're never taught to do. It's a big piece of it. But also, I feel like it also ties in some manner to the, 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 the I guess, the desire to, to stay in a comfort zone. And men, I think we yeah. do it even more than women do. Because if you think about the personal development world, we're, we're in that. We're, in a per, yeah. we're personally developing ourselves. We're trying to better ourselves. But the thing is interesting is men, I think we, we, we start personal development at a younger age because our dads are telling us this is what it means to be a man. This is what it means to be this, right? Or in some manner, or some of you, the world says what it means to be a man. And then we get to a certain point and we go, okay, we're done. Whereas women are like, just be princesses, do your thing. This is, you know, and then later on, it's like, all right, I want to be, I want to be better. I want to be stronger. I want to do more. I think the personal development world is it's, there's some, you know, 70 plus percent of it is uh, clientele wise women. Women are like at a certain point, like I want to do and be more. And men go, I am enough. I'm done. I don't got to do anything else. I'm just rock and roll this thing. You know, I don't got to do any, you know, and it's weird because we also at the same time experience the same amount of feelings, right? There's still the feelings of love, joy, happiness, sadness, disdain, embarrassment, but men do a good job of tucking it away. And then when they see these kind of things where it's like, Hey, go work on yourself. It's like, Oh, I don't want to do all that. And so we pull away yet. That's the reason that that's, you know, like a six to one suicide ratio, men to women is men aren't getting this perspective of any kind of, and even, even a place to go talk. Like I'm thankful. I watched a video recently where it's asking a bunch of guys. It says, Hey men, if you had a problem and you needed to ask, you know, somebody, do you have at least one other person you can go and confide in? Or like who can, how many people do you have? You can go and confide in. And it was a resounding, like nobody, most men have nobody. I mean, I'm thankful I got a guy. I have a couple people I can really talk to, but it is, I'm like, dang, that sucks. A lot of men don't have that, that other person they can go talk to a lot of times. Oh, that's very true. You know, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I developed as, as I was doing the podcast and this came about relatively early, I came up with my own framework, that F6 formula I've mentioned before. Mm -hmm. The yeah. six areas of a man's life he tends to struggle in, especially after he gets married, uh, faith, mm -hmm. fashion, fitness, food, friendship, and fun. Six areas. Uh, yeah. The friendship thing is what we're talking about right now. What mm -hmm. I've noticed is that most men, what ends up happening is when they get married, they don't really end up having so much friends as they do. The wife has friends who are married, and so I'm in proximity to other men. And so yeah. somehow that's supposed to make us friends, but we're really not friends. So we're just no, no, kind of yeah. near each other. Yeah. It's, I, I, I told you, it's, uh, it says, I don't have friends. My, my wife, my wife's friends have husbands or something like that. Yep. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's how it is. And that's because we, as men, we're not intentional. 
about that. And we have to be. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, honestly, Anthony, as a, as a divorce guy, it's even harder because all my friends are married. Yeah. So since all my friends are married, you know, they all have lives and you know, they have work and then they have their home lives. And so honest to goodness, I talked to a friend of mine last week that I've been trying to get together with for a while, you know, and he, mm -hmm. now he does travel for work some, but I'm just like, look, when do you have time? Honest to goodness. He told me eight months is when he could pencil me in in his schedule. Eight months. I'm like, you don't have 30 minutes to go get coffee with me? He goes, yeah, no. I, he's, I'm gone and all this stuff's going on with the family. And I'm like, call me if you're ever interested. I mean, that's essentially what I said. But yeah. I'm just like, you know what? That's I don't great. have time for that. If you don't have time for me, fine. It's a, yeah. I'm over I that. It. It's like, let's move on. <laughs> I think also as we get older, I, I don't have a lot of room to add a bunch of friends. Like I have some solid friendships, a couple guys that I can quite literally call after never talking to them for six months. And it's like, we didn't skip a beat, you know, because we understand yeah. that families, didn't. but then there's people I call every day. And then you know, at the same time there, there becomes this thing where I realize as I get older, like people like, Hey man, want to hang out and then we you know, grab a bite to eat. And it's like, I don't have room for new friends. Yeah. Cause what's going to happen me, me and you're going to go and have a lunch to be a great lunch. We're going to hang out and they're going to want to text me and call me later on and have, uh, I can't do that, man. I don't have room for it. I right. I don't have enough time for my current friends in my life, let alone to add new ones. And while I love humanity, and I, I you may be a phenomenal person, I was a friend. It's like I don't I don't have room for that because there's only so much emotional energy a human being can put out in the world. I got a guy recently who lives nearby. Uh, I don't know how he found out where I live, but he's like, "Hey, you live in this area? You want to go for a, a walk?" And I'm like, uh, "I don't think I want to go for a walk, man. Like I I'm sure you're a great human." <laughs> And I'm sure you, we can have a great conversation, but then it's like one of those things, like when a girl, I think when you're young, leading a guy, and I'm like, I'm not going to go on the date because I don't have time for the relationship. You know, like, <laughs> right. I don't, something, bro, like, uh, you're probably a great dude, but if, if it's not something that's going to, at this point in my life, benefit my family or my business, I don't have a space for it. And yeah. it sucks. It sucks a little bit. I think about that, but. At the same time, I think it allows it allows me to be really dialed into the places that I do have friendships and I do have time mm -hmm. to spend. So I can oh, yeah. be very present and not be pulled away. And and then it makes the parts of my life that I have joyful. I don't feel like this, you know, FOMO for not having extra friends. I don't know. I'm just going on a little rant right now. But no, man, I get that. I get that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, and that's, believe it or not, that's kind of how I approach things, too. Now, it's a little bit different for me, you know, being an empty nester where, you know, my kids aren't here and I'm not married. So it's just me. Yeah. But. Even at that, you know, I've had some people over the years, you know, approach me about, you know, hey, let's get together. Let's do some things. You know, I've, I've had to have polite but honest conversations with them. It's like, look, you know, you seem like a great person, but I just I don't know that I have I don't know that I have the bandwidth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's part of it. I mean, it's part of it. It's it's not the end of the world, man. It's not that anybody's bad or bad people. It's just the reality of life as you get older. I think I think the, the mark is if you get older and you have those friends if i have the, the confidence in the current relationships enough to say no i don't want this good one that's a good thing I've, yeah. I've put in a lot of you know friendship or trust equity to where when i when i do need something i have so i've done that right so i don't have to like oh maybe this can be the friendship i i keep but i have had clients that i've worked with and we measure things when we get started we have this measurement tool and we go through things and i ask them, where are you at this this and this and you come to find a lot of them are like ones or twos in friendship and i go well why they go well all i have is my wife and my kids i said no best friend nah, no solid best friend i got great work colleagues and i'm like dang like i am super lucky that i got you know at least three solid friendships that go way back you know and if not more i got a few i guess a good chunk of them but i don't add people to it but i'm like that's a that's a rarity it's a it's a blessing to be able to say i have that and that serves me well as an adult because i don't have to always be in work mode 
Because yeah. if you have friends that are always work, then it's always work mode. And then, like, you know, it's, I'm even luckier that some of my friends go back to like my wife, like when, you know, some of her friends are our friends from high school. So that even helps okay. a little bit. It's a dynamic that is not a normal thing. And I don't, I don't know why that is, but it's tough. But I think men can create that. I think you can start at any point in time. There's a lot of science that shows that the only difference between like a, a good friend and a best friend is just time spent together. Mm. It's really what it is. It's just that there's studies that show the amount of hours you've spent, it equates to more time invested and more fulfilling. Now that, that time will be spent past hardships, arguments, conversations of agreements and disagreements, but it's time spent. And so if someone's like, I don't have that friend, I guess I'm screwed. No, you're not. Find somebody, put, this, put the work in, man. We'll yeah. spend some time purposely. You can have that one person go, when did you guys meet? Oh man, we met 30 years ago and you're sick. You're 60 now. We met 30 years ago. That means you met in your thirties, man. And that's totally cool. Get a 30 year old friend. I got friends that I've met recently that like, ah, oh, you know, we're, we're building that now little by little. It's very few people. But the thing is you can develop that. And then you have those windows and places to go talk to people. Cause I think the cool part about this conversation, if you talk about it, is your whole podcast of relationships and revenue. And I think they do have a correlation for sure. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, you know, the interesting thing with the podcast, especially when I introduce it to people who, first of all, didn't know I had one, when I, tell, when I just tell them the title, I don't really even go into why I started it, none of that. Yeah. The numbers of people I have coming to me, it's like, that is so good. That is so important. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you think so. Because <laughs> yeah. I've thought it for years. It's nice, nice that I'm not alone in the universe thinking this. Yeah. Yeah, nobody really. I think there's always, we always have congruences and care. Most people don't talk about stuff, but I think all those things do exist in terms of necessities for people to talk about. So, man, I think we're coming to the end of the episode. It's coming about time. Uh, and the reason I know is because my, my body is going, hey, that bathroom over there looks really, really comfortable. You should go, <laughs> you know, hang out in that bathroom. Uh, but, man, uh, as, it, as we conclude this, what are your hopes for the next 100 episodes? Well, I mean, first of all, obviously to have another 100 episodes, which is certainly the plan. But in addition to that, you know, one of the things that I'm most excited about is the types of guests that I have on the show. Uh, because I mentioned before how important relationships are to me, and that's something that I do. And, you know, as you were my first guest, who really kind of took a chance for me, and I am very grateful that you did, yeah. because of you and your reputation, you have gotten me into other people that I never would have before. I can nice. tell you that a, a growing trend for this podcast is the fact that I'm having several former professional athletes coming on and talking nice. to me That's about right. their, yeah, talking to me not only about what life was like while they were in there doing their thing, but what life has been like after mm -hmm. and how cool that is. Um, and I've made some tremendous connections with folks. So, I mean, some really, really just fantastic people and, yeah. you know, people that some of whom are, are old enough that I looked up to when I was younger. And mm -hmm. I just like, it's just, there's a lot of wow factor for me. And the part that I love, because all of them so far have been just like you, Anthony. And that is, yeah, I was a professional athlete, but I'm a person, you know, yeah, love it beyond it. just relate to me like I'm a person. And every mm -hmm. one of them has been that way. They've all been just nothing but kind and gracious, just like you, and yeah. never acted like they were better than me in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, people can relate to that. And that's what I try to pull out of them so that others can see that. It's like, yeah, this is someone who has notoriety of some degree, but there's much more to them than that. Let's take that full 
3D view of the person, not just, you know, not just the shine that's on everything. Yeah, the little thing they did that everybody sees. I get it, man. It's hard. It's hard because that's what people see. And there's always perspective of, I don't know how it's portrayed, but it's portrayed that, you know, we're these arrogant guys, which we have to have that on the field. Who you're yes. seeing on the field is not the same guy that's in his house on you mm-hmm. know, an Easter Sunday. Like it's a, a different dynamic. And even at a McDonald's, you're not going to catch us at, at a restaurant or something with the same energy. It'd just be weird. But there is because it's all you see is what you assume to be, right? I, I totally get it. Yeah. Uh, man, I love it. So it was hopefully the next 100 episodes are amazing. We keep building something great. Uh, mm-hmm. But here's the question I always end with, and I'm going to throw it out here. Okay. What promise did God make to the world when he created you? I have to be real careful because I'm probably going to cry when I say this. The greatest hurt in my life, he would turn around and make my greatest joy. And that I would learn how to use that pain for his glory and to benefit other people. It's a good one, man. It's a good one, man. That's what life is. It's all of us living life lessons and passing them on somehow. We just nowadays have podcasts to do so. Never used to have right. that. So now we can. Uh, but man, beautiful. Thank you for allowing me to come host your show. Thank you guys for tuning in and hanging out with us. We uh, we got uh, some good stuff in here. Make sure you go back, re-listen, take some notes. If the podcast benefited you in some way, go share it because the world needs to hear more good things. We got enough of the bad things. I promise you, I wake up to it every single day. We need some more of the good things out there. Uh, that's it, man. Thank you guys so much. Uh, this is the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. And my, my sign-off is going to be, as always, focus on building relationships so you can build revenue. Anthony Trucks, John Hewlin, signing off. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.